Can I call the meeting to order, please? And can we take the roll? Trustee Zorthian? Here. Trustee DeVries? Here. Trustee Hernandez will be absent. Trustee Jensen isn't here yet. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum. Thank you. Um, and I guess we adjourn to closed session. Yes, for consideration of the uh, reports, and I believe, I don't believe there's a a report uh, under item B uh, regarding significant exposure to litigation, but there may be questions. So those are the items for closed session. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So uh, we're back to the uh, open session agenda. We have minutes. I'm not sure whether any of you have had an mm -hmm. opportunity to read the minutes. Would I hear a... I move approval. Okay. Um, Second. And... Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 All right. So we are all approved. The minutes are approved. The policies and procedures, any questions about those? Uh, I just had one on the last two nutrition. I, I noticed most of them are just automatic go through. The nutrition one, did you not have one before a, a nutrition policy? Well, there, there are hundreds of nutrition policies, but this one is new. I see. And what makes this one so special? I mean, they wanted to standardize the way the process was happening. And, and you know what I think is that um, I, I read it sort of quickly, and I'm not sure that this that what I'm going to say is correct. But there were we're having trouble. We have to have recognition by the physicians that they've read the diet orders and that they agree with the or they uh, don't agree or that there's some acknowledgement on the part of the physicians for the diet recommendations and it's really hard in the computer to do it it was a two-step process and they would do the first step and not complete and just so I think they're trying to build something that makes that process easier because it's a regulatory requirement <clears throat> that we keep getting dinged on because we can't get it done you know it's been ever since I remember, you know, we were supposed to say, oh, yes, thank you for the dietitian for her recommendations. And you never did that. You just kind of went on about your day and said, oh, that looks good. Because we don't really know anything about dietary stuff. We aren't trained very well. And so, anyway, I, so I think that's why they decided they built a process that trauma would work better. Trauma team to the ER, level two trauma. And then made a protocol. Is that right, Karen? Do you think that's right on the money? Okay. We, and we did have a finding not last time, but the time before. So I think they've been working on it for some time. Most places, the physicians would put sticky or the dietary would put sticky notes on the top of the paper chart and say, "Please read my note and co-sign." But you can't do that if you don't in the electronic record. I see. And it's not a good practice anyway. Right. Well, that was so. I move approval. For okay. all the policies and procedures as presented. Second. Second. Oh. All right. Those in favor? Aye. Aye. The policies are approved. And that includes the San Leandro policy as well. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so that's the end of the consent agenda. Now we go on to a contract approval. And um, um, since we don't usually have contracts come here, I'm wondering if anybody had any questions about it. Yeah, why? Um, well, uh, we'll let Mike answer that. So the the issue with the approval being sought here is that it relates to a credentialing matter. Uh, so it's not the financial terms of the contract or the other terms. 
is that this is a, a modification of the typical credentialing practice. This committee has delegated authority to deal with those issues, and so we thought that this committee should see it before uh, it actually goes into play. Any comments? Anybody? This will make life easier for Satira as part of the... Else? All right. Motion to approve. So moved. Second. And I, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Everyone? Yes? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have something to I can bring it up later. It's not directly on this issue. Okay. Not on the so the only other thing on the agenda is the issue tracking. Do you want to bring up your question? or? Well, uh, with regard, when I first saw the agenda and the contract with the fact that the contract was on here, I thought about how we've um, on the board had discussions in the past and um, along with all three MECs about how to make sure, ensure that the physicians have <coughs> information about professional contracts, physician and provider contracts. And so I, I thought, oh, that's interesting that this is on our agenda and I thought maybe it was going to be more discussion, in-depth discussion of a... Um, an ancillary agreement, an agreement with a provider group. And so I bring this up just to say, and we don't have to discuss it now, but it might be an opportunity to, for this for this group now that we've we've kind of evolved a little bit the um, from the quality to the credentialing to actually bring contracts as they come up to this committee and then not for approval or disapproval, just for information perhaps when there's a um, professional service agreement. So I just thought that might be. Uh, yeah, you can, you can share where we are with So uh, we have uh, sort of two big categories of contract. One contract are the contract that deal with the physician. And we have a process now that uh, mm -hmm. I meet weekly with the contracting and finance with HR with the council, with legal, and with AHP executive director. We meet all of us in one room and we discuss all those contracts as far as the physician. And I relay the information to the chair and the information as much as it is relevant no, not to, me. to the to the medical, to the medical chair. chair. Okay. To the chair. Of medical, to the medical chair. Of the medical yeah. Of each department. Each department's chair. Oh, okay, the department chair. The department chairs and to the uh, medical uh, directors okay. of the outside Highland, like to uh, Dr. <coughs> Rosenthal, Dr. Ipoko, and chief of staff. Now, the non-physician contracts, uh, we have itemized them. We have about maybe 24 of them that are mm -hmm. relevant to direct patient care. We are going to have a physician sort of evaluator or process evaluator of this contract and quality will give them the key performance indicator metrics. So they will be on our, we call it uh, track, man manager track, 
where we, we look at, uh, at the contract. So they have a tool to evaluate those contracts directly to put in their input. So this is the process that we have in place, and we'll refine the process. I had today a discussion with Dr. Shah, who was brought it to the board, and he's happy with this, and I will carry it over to Dr. Jean Hearn. So, and then the, the final step would be for approval when it went to the board, it would just be in a board packet? So when it, for, when it comes to the board, okay. you have a, we have now new notation that says that the re relevant clinical expertise has been consulted on this, and so uh, that was getting to the point that, that the medical staff wanted, which was that uh, they are uh, involved in some form of standard right. setting for for the quality indicators or performance indicators that are involved to uh, clinical contracts. And I'll add that the monitoring process from the board was, when we had the joint committee, was agreed upon that the way in which the board would monitor it is the same way in which we monitor the policies. And at the bottom, it shows you know, that it's gone through the various committees. The board item will, in fact, show now that, that the medical staff has, has put their input onto it. So that's another thing that you'll see on those contracts that usually come from finance. Great. Well, that's that's what, where we started, and mm -hmm. sounds like it's moved on. Um, well, I believe we did it with one of the last contracts that came through the full board. Yes, it, it was there. So we've, we've started putting it in place, but the, the latter part of what Dr. Jamaldi mentioned, we're still finalizing that process of putting for the, for the uh, non-provider clinical contracts the process in place where the providers, uh, the relevant stakeholders will be in track manager and responsible for the ongoing um, management and monitoring of the contract with the non-clinical and that joint group that you mentioned, human resources and business, et cetera, makes a determination on whether or not it affects patient care or not. So uh, the group that I work with on a weekly basis is physician contract. But it is the uh, finance contracting who's giving me the contracts to itemize to see which one is relevant for patient care. Whatever touches the patient, we want the physician to be involved in the evaluation. This is... Yes, but who makes that... Who, who is making that determination that it's relevant? It's myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they give you a list and you might say, no, I don't think this one is relevant. But, right. but I suppose underlying that question could be, are you sure you're getting all of the ones that you should be looking at? Well, I have access to all contracts. I can look at them, I and mean, we have hundreds of them. I can, I can like audit this. So I have access to all contracts. Yeah. Why I raise that is because in that joint committee there was a discussion, and um, we, we raised the example of a contract for the elevators. Yeah. For the elevator maintenance. Yeah. And there was a discussion about. Um, one individual felt that that was directly related to patient care, and we and there was another argument that no, that wasn't related to patient care. It was it was a business notion. And so, so I was interested in who then is the accountable person, and now I know that it is you. And so, I mean, I sit on the executive leadership committee, and I, I know what's going on. You know, in terms of all these big contracts. However, you know, we have to think in terms of resources and capacity of our physician. 
you know, to have the physician review contracts that are not relevant, it's a waste of resources. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so, so, but if, you know, if uh, they have issues with, with things that are not directly related to patients, I'm here to listen to them and mm -hmm. I will give the feedback. But things that have to do, for example, with equipment, with, uh, with prosthesis, you know, of course. Of course, yeah. sure. That's, that's okay. how, you know, they, they, uh, I think they were more, they want to be more inclusive, but they are not realistic about how much time it takes to do this work. So we have, so we reach an agreement, I think, and uh, hopefully soon we will change the language in the bylaws, because the bylaws says that medical staff should approve all contracts. So we're going to change the language, should uh, be involved in evaluation of relevant contracts, and then it will become more. And this is only at, at the core, uh, at the core staff. In, in, uh, in San Leandro and in Alameda Hospital, it is not that restrictive, if I'm correct, uh, Sakira, right? About contract evaluation. Doesn't have that same language. Does not have. It says just involved in. Yeah. Just to be clarify that the there had been an outage of the of the elevators fairly oh. recently before that meeting, and it did affect patients going sure. to the OR. And so you could it, there was a stretch, but it was you could say right. that it had safety. You know. Okay. Um, are we done? So did we, and we approved the contract, yes. Okay. So the next is issue tracking. Um, or, yes? I just want to point out the first item. Uh, we're supposed to actually get a report back tonight. Um, and John Chapman is are here. We here. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, the, the last time you've asked, uh, we, we brought up the transfer center. You wanted uh, updates recurrently. So... Um, at the meeting, that meeting that we identified the transfer center as an initiative that we had implemented, at that time we had one person working in the transfer center Monday through Friday, handling transfers uh, outbound from Highland to San Leandro and Alameda. Since then, we've we've done a few more uh, items that I think you'll appreciate. One, um, we have a transfer council now that meets monthly, led by Dr. Swift, and uh, many around this uh, room attend that meeting. Two, we established and implemented processes for interventional cardiology and radiology patients to be transferred from Alameda and San Leandro to Highland. Uh, my understanding is none has been turned away, uh, according to Dr. Froelich. He's very happy with the referrals that are coming up uh, to our procedure rooms. And three, um, the Budget Oversight Committee approved uh, one and a half FTE that we're actively um, uh, recruiting now we have a few candidates in mind. And once those two individuals are hired, that will allow us uh, to provide coverage uh, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. By doing so, we can help the uh, providers at Alameda and San Leandro with the processes of sending uh, patients who need um, services off-site, such as Cal Pacific or UCSF as well as expanding transfers uh, back and forth between uh, both all three institutions. So expanded coverage. We've implemented the interventional uh, uh, cath uh, transfers and radiology transfers. And we've established a mechanism uh, for feedback uh, uh, and uh, information through our monthly transfer councils. 
So next time I hope to tell you that uh, we're doing all of the above. Could I, could I, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, it would be great to hear kind of, uh, so we had them coming in and now mm -hmm. we have them going out and coming in, right? Right. Or, you know, Not partially though. Partially. Realize right. that it's specific to radiology and cardiology. Yeah. What we heard at the first meeting is that San Leandro and Alameda physicians would also like the support uh, to help the transfers to outside facilities, not only in our system. Right. So it'd be interesting to track uh, at some point the number of patients that are benefiting from the transfer center and, and uh, if, if it's creating more availability and, and again, affecting that throughput. That um, it's, it, I mean, it's good that you're getting the apparatus in place and it's great to hear that it's kind of taken that next step over the last two months, and it would be great over the next couple of months or six months to see you know, the, the end result or the, the... No problem. We have a dashboard already that we do track those three. Awesome. I'll, make, I'll make sure that we uh, send it to the board through our great. leadership. But what's the training for those people who are, who are doing the, the sending? They're all nurse classifications, so they're clinical nurse twos. Um, who are uh, assisting us in the transfer center. I was interested in how they learn about the services and the um, areas where they can send people. I mean, how do they know where, where the resources are? So I was interested in the resource training. Sure. Um, actually, as part of that monthly uh, transfer council, uh, Dr. Swift's team uh, has put together a clinical algorithm of the type of patients that could be accepted by San Leandro or Alameda. So typically those nurses would review each patient case that perhaps is boarding in the ED to see which ones qualify for transfer and vice versa. So if someone needs interventional cardiology like a STEMI procedure, no problem here. If someone needs a uh, uh, more uh, increased intervention in cardiology, that would be a case that we would send to Alpha Bates. So they have clinical triggers that they're looking at. And sometimes the physician may say, I happen to know that Stanford provides this particular service that, that my patient needs. It's not a common one that we do all the time. The transfer center would be involved in speaking to the opposite numbers on the Stanford side to help facilitate, but they wouldn't be the ones deciding where the patient goes. That's right. When I talk about uh, deciding where patients goes, that's usually internal transfers. Um, obviously, if you're sending to Stanford or UCSF, it is a physician order that requires an authorization. So that's usually in place before the transfer. No, I'm just, uh, I was just interested to make certain that, that we have enough resources so that we don't overlook, we don't overlook the skills and training of our own people before we send somebody outside. So that's really oh, what yeah. I was interested in. Right. Right. So, in terms of services? Yeah, services and yeah. Ta you know, talents of oh. individual doctors and resources that we provide yep. that we don't get ourselves in a position where we're now sending people to someplace else when in fact we provided the service. And so I wondered about how that... And that's definitely something that uh, we want to accomplish too. In fact, um, before the transfer center took over uh, the interventional uh, cardiac cath transfers from outside. I think our uh, chairs will tell you, the chiefs will tell you that 
many of those patients did go to Alpha Bates when they could have come to Highland if we had processes in place. Now we have those processes in place. So, so it's, it's uh, Trustee Lawrence, the leakage, the leakage mm-hmm. sort of concept uh, is very important. So we, we, we need to know, uh, we need to track all patients transferred outside our system. Uh, and we need to have metrics outside our system, even you know the whole all the facilities. And uh, we need also to have metrics to see whether uh, we should develop those services in the future. Right. So I know about like leakages that's happening sometimes when uh, I mean what uh, John was talking about. Uh, we like. Sometimes they call, we don't have beds, and almost all the times we don't have beds at Highland Hospital, but the doctors are available and our ORs are available. So I want to have a system where, where I have an ICU in Alameda Hospital and I have an ICU in San Leandro. The patient comes, get the procedure, go back to the ICU there, have doctor-to-doctor communication. So this is where we have capacity for about nine beds, which we use as post acute care for monitoring. We're going to keep four to five capacities with staffing for this. So in case a patient in Alameda Hospital needs uh, a PCI, a heart, a heart intervention, or an intervention uh, by IR, we bring them, we get the intervention, we monitor them, and we send them back to their bed in Alameda Hospital in San Leandro. So that's one that uh, we are putting in place. The second thing is that in terms of metrics, you know, uh, I told uh, John and Luis, I want to know whatever is going out the system, even if we don't deliver the care. I want to know, we need to know, what are we sending out, you know, and uh, how many and how is it, what is the process of sending out? We need to monitor this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And setting up that transfer uh, will have a one-stop shop so we'll know what we're sending it out. Uh-huh. And it'll be on that dashboard. And then we could drill down on the types of procedures and reasons why they would be being sent out. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Dr. Jamaldine, to your point, I, I appreciate what you said, and I, I want to also ensure that patients who, are, who begin their journey at Alameda Hospital, um, specifically, that's my concern, it, that they can come and have an intervention or have a more um, in, in, intensive procedure here or at San Leandro, but that they are go back to Alameda. Absolutely, and, and I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Let me, let me just also <laughs> to, to piggyback, to piggyback on that, and, and John and James uh, are, are business leads, or they're the leads for the acute SBU. And so a lot of this work that we're talking about, which is much broader than just the transfer center, the transfer center is just one component of the many aspects that we're looking at from an acute SBU. So right now we've established a, a council, an acute care council that is looking at not only the transfer component, but also looking at service lines and what, what can we offer at San Leandro, what do we offer at Alameda, what do we offer here, doing that thorough assessment and understanding how can we bring some synergies between all those areas. So that's a lot of the work that's going to be ongoing right now with the acute SBU. So that's work in progress. More to come on that. That's just so great. I mean, that's what a what a leap we've taken to do those kinds of things. It's quite quite impressive. Given, I mean, sitting here for four years to see this occurring is just really terrific. Congratulations. Anything else? Yeah. 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 Yeah
Anyone else? Okay. So the next item on the uh, loop closure list was uh, visiting hours. And Kinsey, did you want to give us an update? Um, as far as the visiting hours go, we allow two guests to sleep over in patients for all types of patients and in on all the floors. Um, we allow unlimited visitation to the family birthing center and to ICU. However, in the other areas like MedSurge and Tele, um, we are still working on certain processes and, and, and John can speak to it to ensure that we have one, we're allowing our patients to rest because, you know, if we allow many visitors in the middle of the night, that, that could co create problems for the patients. But at the same time, ensure that we have safe environment for our patients and that we have adequate um, security um, in, in place. So it is, for that, those areas, it's still a work in progress. We're still working on it. Do you have a policy that's different, or, or a process, uh, that's different in rooms that are single versus rooms that are shared? They're all single, single rooms in, in the tower. No than, more shared rooms. Two, two rooms. There's a, in, there's a few doubles. In, in each, there, in each on each floor. On the corners. Yeah. But if you've entered them, uh, and I think you have, it really is almost like two separate rooms. You go in and you go to the right for one room, and you go to the left for the second one. It's a suite. Basically, <laughs> that's what it looks like, right? It's Without the door, room. though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So but as Kinsey said, if you think about it, it really is 24-7 visitation. Yeah. We do limit the number of visitors after 8 p.m. The next step is, can we take that restriction off? Can we open it up to more than two visitors <coughs> after 8? And if you look at the industry, some do, some don't. Contra Costa does, for instance. San Francisco General doesn't. Um, if we were to uh, uh, move it past more than two visitors after 8 p.m., uh, then, as Kinsey said, we have to look at security. Uh, staff are concerned about security if there's too many people wandering the halls. And our goal and vision is to have open visitation so families and friends can right. come and visit patients at any given time, regardless of which room they are in, mm -hmm. um, as long as um, that we can, we can ensure that. We are, because if family and friends are part of the healing process for patients. So it, it is very important for us to, to ensure that vision, we realize that vision. In the other two sites, I believe I, both of them have open visitation, San Leandro and Alameda. I think um, I would opt for having the, the rule, but having the staff have the discretion as appropriate to allow for more visitors after hours, because you certainly want to give the staff the the ability to have something to fall back on versus having it just be kind of blanket open because right. then when there's a problem the family says well you're making things up but if you give them the, the ability to refer to a rule that they can show them and then they can expand it as appropriate and you know if the family is not causing havoc it's it's seen as a, a mitzvah you know they're doing them a good a good turn um, but you give the staff the power to make the difference mm -hmm. yeah. so. and we actually have a person stationed 24-7 at that uh, front lobby and what we're not saying is we, we probably do let 99.9% .9 of people in, even if they're more than two, It's like James said. But on occasions, we had seven or eight visitors for one patient show up like one in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's an mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. And yeah. that's when the staff sure. needs that policy yeah. they that's can refer right. to and say, yeah. 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 Tracy? Do we have um, 
Do we ever have protective patients with? Yes, all the time. Yes. yes. And is the visitation policy is up to law enforcement or to OPD or? Yeah, they're still in custody, so yeah. Yeah. that's you're right. It's yeah. the law enforcement who's responsible. Are they segregated on the floors, or are they just assigned? well? Since they're their own individual rooms, right. um, there's no separate space for them. Um, but they do have obviously outside the room is where you have the guard. Yeah, the the officer usually sits outside the room in a chair and is, is aware of who goes in and out. Right. But there are no designated um, rooms that specify this is only for um, patients. Well, that would be we wouldn't. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't do that. <laughs> well, when I first got here on the eighth floor in the building that has not yet come down, there was a jail ward. Yeah, yeah uh, it's not. It's, well, until they move, there was still one at San Francisco. I think they need to no, it's, not. it's still Oh, I just think this is great progress, and I want to especially commend James for a really good use of the word mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm surprised to hear that we're actually having people sleep over already. I mean, we used to have to have these whole special arrangement. Of course, there was no place for them to be anyway, but now we've got comfortable spaces. That's great. All right, there was already the third item was... I'd like to actually ask... And maybe it wouldn't be on the list for now since we're looking at the issues, but um, what, what did come up about tracking um, the, the patients that are going, what did you call it, um, that are going to leakage. different facilities? <laughs> leakage, yeah. Um, You'd like a report about leakage? Well, on the, on the I list? guess that since um, Dr. Jamaldeen said they're actually putting that together. Don't, and, don't use it. <laughs> we won't put that word <laughs> But we'll the, call it something else. But it conveyed the message. But yeah. it's actually really, uh, it's not convenient for our patients coming through our door to send them out. You know, we want it to be safe, but if we deliver the care in our system, we Absolutely. want to ensure that we do all our best to deliver this care. The third item on the issue tracking was to do with the contracts, and I think we got a report on that. So, mm-hmm. um, Are there any public comments? All right, and report from council. Yes, so we have a closed session and we're approved for the so no other actions were taken. Okay. We are adjourned on time. Woo-hoo. Good. Okay.